0: I've been hearing some great feedback, by the way, uh, throughout our series. We've been going through the aspect of um, just Christianity, love came down. Love came down from the mountain. Um, You know, the mountain that we could never climb. And uh, just some awesome, awesome things that I'm hearing from people as they're, um, they're reconciling this to their life. They're seeing their life, and they're seeing the Lord Jesus Christ who came down to enter into their life. And I just love hearing those stories. So please, if, if you've got any more of those that you just want to share, I love to hear it. The staff loves to hear it. Uh, if you have prayer requests or anything to that effect, please, that's what we're here for. We want to pray for you, and we want to journey with you. As, the Lord, as our Lord and Savior has come down to journey with us, we, in turn, uh, want to help in those burdens that, you are, that you're carrying every day. And we want to pray with you and, and walk with you as well. So, you know, that's, that's what we've been looking at in all, all truth and all honesty. We're just looking at that love that came down, that first moved toward us. That's, that's the message of Christianity, which is so awesome. See, every other, to some extent, every other religion says we need to move first towards God. We need to do something to get God's attention. And the truth and the awesomeness of what Jesus shared and what God has been sharing since the beginning of time is that love, which is God, always comes to us first always moves in our direction first. And we just respond to that. There's nothing we can do. There's no hoops we have to jump through. There's no formula that we have to know. No secret word or, 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 or this only for this people, only for that people. No, he comes to all people and says, first, I'm with you. Now respond to me. Respond to the love that I've shared with you. See, the whole point of Christianity is you already have his attention. That's what's so amazing about him and his son and dying on the cross for us. You, you didn't ask for that. He did it. We couldn't have. We can't seek him. He first seeks us and opens a way as he comes down off that mountain, which we can never climb on our own, and says, now follow me. That's why I love the story of the prodigal son. We've looked at that before in another series, but that, that's such a great thing because you've got, you got the father who's like, in the, in the Hebrew, it literally means he's like on the porch always, every day, looking for his lost son. And that's God for you, always on the porch looking to see where you're at. For all those people out there, for all the least, for all the last, and for all the lost, he's waiting, he's watching, because he's come down to meet us. Not so that we can move first and get better, right? But he meets us in our good and our bad, and says, now follow me. And I love that. So this is the same God we want to look at to today in, in his word and in, in his um in what he has to say in Matthew chapter six. And I love this passage. Where I actually broke this passage down. We were gonna just go through this in one package, pass, uh, passage, but but I really broke it down because I was like, there's so much here. And it's the Lord's prayer. It's it's just you know, in the whole where he teaches us how to pray. So we just broke it into two parts, so you'll have to forgive me. This was a 12 lesson series, but now it's 13 lessons. So I hope you're okay with that. So let's go ahead and stand up, and we're going to pray and read God's word, all right? Lord, we just come before you, and we thank you. We thank you for the fact that you care for us. You came down to meet us. And and, you you didn't save us so that we can just kind of sit there in, in that salvation with your son and just be like, hey, here I am, I'm good now. And when I die, I'll be okay. No, you, you came down to do something in us. You came down to move in us and through us, to lead us and walk with us. Lord, in our life, the more we give to you, the more we just, we just say, it's not my will, but yours be done. You do miraculous things through us. You have an adventure. You have a journey that, that is bigger than any, than any blockbuster hit in Hollywood. And it's laid out before us. And you say, follow me. So Lord, I just pray today that as we look at your words and as we we see the context behind them and we we hear your heart, that you would open our heart. Open our eyes. Spiritually, let us see with your eyes so that we could just, we could walk with you. You came down for us. May we now respond to that in your name. Amen. Alright, so Matthew chapter 6. Verses 5 through 8, I'm really excited about this stuff, it's awesome. So, Jesus has just gotten through talking about, um, in, in Matthew chapter 5, and now we're in 6, and he's he's gone through just just what it is to be a follower of Christ, and we're looking at this idea of, of your own personal piety, and now we're looking at the practical prayers of that, and how we can, you know. in all this, it's crazy how we can take what God's given and we can pervert it. Isn't that crazy? Like, even even in God's presence, even while we're doing something, we can twist it. And we can make it crazy. And so we, we looked at some warnings and what God has been working through. And this is just awesome. And this is the God we serve. Please understand this. He came down to teach us to pray. He literally came down to teach us to pray. How do we talk to the Father? No other God in the history of all gods that's ever existed has literally come down and said, taken our hand and said, this is how it's done. Let me walk with you. So please, if you get anything out of this, it truly is about Jesus and him walking with us. Amen? And that's what I love about this passage. That's what I love about our Christ. So let's look at this really quick. He says this. He says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. You see, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words or babbling over and over and again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask Him. All right, you can be seated. There's some great stuff here. Um... We need to understand the context, because a lot of this is is one of those things that we can look at and we just go, okay, that sounds good, but fast forward 2,000 years later, it's a little different walking outside than when Jesus was saying this on the mountain as they walked outside, or they were outside walking around. You get it? So what I'd like to do really quick is just kind of look through the ideas that he is presenting in the context or the culture that he's dealing with. So it's pretty simple stuff, and, and so I want to walk you through that really quick. There were seven different types of Pharisees in that day. The, the, the Pharisees were also known as the saddikim. Um, it, it was the idea of the pious ones, or the ones that were in kind of the leaders of the religious community. And those were known as the saddikim, or the Pharisees, of what Jesus calls them. And they all had set up a form of how to walk, especially how to pray so that God would hear them. So I just want to highlight a little bit of this uh, that that Jesus would have seen and been alluding to here, or that people of that day would have seen as they walked around. I'm going to tell you about three of them. One of them was called the Shikmai Pharisee. Now the Shikmai Pharisee, he's the one that would perform, now I'm reading from a rabbi at the time, he would say he is the one who performs the action of Shachem, one who shows off, carrying his avodah on his shoulders, and one who performs mitzvahs out of insincerity. Oive. It's a little mishuga, right? Okay, so the idea of that is he's doing it for show. He's putting things on his shoulders. He's putting the mitzvah. You know, his his whole prayer aspect is like, look what I'm doing. And he would walk around. Everybody would see him. And if you were a parent, you'd be walking with your kids and go, oh, look, it's the shikmah. Now, little Johnny, I want you to be just like them. Right? That was the idea. Because they were the ones, oh, look how holy they are. Look how good they are that was the ship the 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 shikmah right now the pestle uh, pharisee it was known as the pestle pharisee rabbi shilla said his head is bowed like a pestle in a mortar do you know what a pestle and mortar is it's like a rock that has a little concave shape in it and they would take another little rock and they still use it a lot today they'll take the little rock and they just they, they crush things in it so so like the Native Americans had a lot of pestle and mortar and they would crush acorns in it to make paste. And so what it is is there's just this rocking motion. And so you can understand these guys are just headbound low like this and they're just doing this. They're just doing this, like, like they're warming up for a big fight, right? Like, dun, 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 right? And they're just doing their thing, right? So, but check what Rabbi Shilla says. He says, his head is bowed like a pestle in a mortar. He bends his head so low in exaggerated intensity that the crown of his head is pointed down and he is shuckling so hard it looks like his head is grinding pestle operating inside of a mortar. So it's not just like this, it's more like this. You get it? can you imagine walking around in jesus time and you just see these guys i can't even do it i'm going to fall over but that's what they would do why why i mean we laugh at this right we laugh, i mean it's so easy to laugh at but back then you would have had you know walking little johnny or, or little jenny that's who you want to mimic that's who you want to be like look how holy they are look how amazing they are he's so oh wow you know you can just see the kids at home right just i'm going to be just like them you <laughs> know it's like what are you doing now, this is the other one. These guys were known as the bruised and bleeding ones. These were the Kisah the uh, Pharisees. He is the one who makes his blood to flow against walls. That's a good statement, right? The rabbi said, he is the one to make his blood flow against walls. Ooh, that just sounds morbid, right? Like a zombie flick. He would rather walk with his eyes closed, even if it means that he will constantly smash his face into the wall, than look at temptation. See, this was the Pharisee that you would know them because they'd have have cuts on them. They would have, you know, face just bruises, bruised and bleeding ones because they were so pious, they would walk like this with their eyes closed and they'd run into things because they were supposed to be praying all the time. But see, was it about really connecting with God or was it just showing how holy I am? And Jesus says, you already have your reward. You know those cuts and bruises, people are looking at you, that's your reward. Kind of a measly reward if you really think about it. Such a temporal thing. Yet this is what they were seeing. They'd get the attention of men and others were copying them. Now, this was the Jewish mindset of what the people would see. They'd be like, oh yeah, I know those guys. There's one that always walks by my house. In fact, my walls got a little blood from him. Darn it. You know, some of them probably a little ticked off because they keep running into their walls or whatever it was. But the reality is these guys were the ones to mimic. And so we had the Romans here who weren't much better. The Romans were very similar, because Jesus is saying this as he goes through, right? He's like, don't be like the Pharisees who do this to get the rewards of men, and don't be like the, 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 the pagans or the Romans or the other, everyone not Jewish who do this to get God's attention, babbling and babbling, right? So the Romans had to have their knowledge of the correct verbal formula in prayer, otherwise it wasn't acceptable. So you can understand the westernized mindset here. Because you have the Jewish or the Eastern mindset, which is all about the dramatic, poetic. And then you have the Greek and Roman mindset that's like, here's my A, B, C formula. By the way, what are we more like today? We're like the Romans today, aren't we? Westernized world. It's all about A, B, C, one two three, get all your, your points in a row. And that's what they would do accurate naming was vital for tapping into the desired powers of the deity invoked. Hence the long drawn out babbling type prayers that Jesus speaks of. Now public prayers especially had to be done by specialists and like real professionals. In fact, there's a, there's a story of Leni, uh, a historian of the day who says that there was a Roman festival. It was a big shindig that they would do every year. And the guy that was officiating it forgot to say the Roman people and they had to start the festival all over again. I mean, literally, just take the whole, can you imagine that? A big old festival, it's like, oh no, we've got to start over. Because they forgot one little sentence. That was what they did. Now, I want to show you something really quick. Um, this, is, this is just the Roman gods and goddesses that they would pray to. This is A through C. That's it. A through C. Imagine trying to remember all that. And by the way, those are, those are important because some of those actually matter to what you want to do. Uh, oh, agriculture. My, my agriculture's not working. Well, I need to look at this God. Or there's my neighbor that's bugged me. I need to pray to this God. Or they, you get where you can get lost? Anybody confused out there? I mean, you, when you look at this, it's like, seriously? How confusing is that? And by the way, that's just A, B, and C. We still got a whole rest of the alphabet to go. A lot of gods, a lot of goddesses, a lot of babbling that took place, and a lot of correct formula. See, let me just add something really quick. The the, the truth is, we aren't much better today. We like to think we're so much more advanced, don't we? I I, want to show you a clip. Um, This this is an awesome clip. What I like about this clip is it's silly. So please feel free to laugh. I know I'm going to laugh. You'll probably hear me because I have a ridiculous laugh that laughs way too loud. But... I think this is a funny clip because what it does is it points to the truth, some of the truths that we as Christians or just people in religion get caught up in. Do you know what I mean? Because even though you had these Jewish people who are doing it this way so that people would look at them, and you had the Roman people who were doing it this way just so they can get it right, we fall in this today. And, And we're not much different today as they were back then. So let's watch this clip. And like I said, I've given you permission to laugh. Oh, you got to love it. That's his miracle position, right? You know, we can laugh at that. It's silly, right? I mean, it really is. It's, it's silly. But but the truth is, we get stuck up in that, don't we? I mean, you have to... I have to be honest with myself and say there's times and there's, there's, there's aspects of my life where I can say, I've been there, done that. You know, and, and I didn't think it was silly at the time, but what I did and what I still have a tendency to do is think that if I do this, then God will listen. Or if I do that then I really am spiritual. Do, do you get it? As if, as if there's these degrees that Jesus is talking about. No, what he does is he comes and destroys all degrees. He comes down and says, look, just talk. Just talk to me. And when he says, do it in private. The idea is, it's not this thing where we, we, have to, we have to go into a room. No, it's the idea of our heart. Because God is not so concerned about our actions. He's concerned about our heart. Amen? And that's what we want to offer to God, is just our heart, the truth of that. And so we can look at this and we uh, can see some ridiculous things. But if we're honest, we can get caught up in some pretty ridiculous, crazy things. So what I want to look at today is the is the who and the how of what Jesus is presenting here in prayer. All right. So if you're taking notes, now's the time to crank the blanks and just uh, fill them out. And we give you a bunch of sheets there so you can take care of that. And the first blank we want to look at is who are you praying for? This seems seems kind of um, basic. Some of these questions are like, wait, what? Who, who, who are you praying for? But I, w- I want to put this out. See, the Pharisees, when they were praying, who were they really praying for? Yeah. You see, we, we have an idea of this. Jesus, later on, in the book of Matthew, he talks about this one Pharisee who's up front. And he's like, thank the Lord that I am this, I am this, and I'm not like that, and this, and this, and this. And he's just going, hey, look at me, I'm awesome. And you've got the sinner way in the back, the tax collector that nobody likes, and he's got his head down, he's beating himself with his breast going, I am so horrible, but thank you, God, because I'm standing before you, not me. And Jesus points out this guy and says, this guy gets it. But the Pharisee in the front, he's praying for himself. You see, the idea here is simple. Who are you praying for? I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get, Jesus says. See, even in prayer we can be concerned with our, our own interests and we forget about God. And it's crazy, right? That we can actually enter in the presence of God and not even be concerned about Him. And we can be concerned only with our own interests and our own self. And that's the danger. That's the danger. See, people have a tendency to make God out to be for me. This is very easy to do in the world we live in today. We live in a very consumer based world, don't we? I mean, you turn on the TV, every commercial is directed to who? You. I I get emails all the time. Sometimes I'm like, seriously? I don't need 50 year old Jewish mating or dating game things. I get that. That's hilarious. I'm like, I'll get an actual email for 50 plus Jewish dating. And I'm like, that's not directed to me. I don't, I'm married. I'm not Jewish, and so far I'm not in my 50s, so I don't need a dating service. But everything is directed towards me, right? They're trying to get me to do something, to respond. They're trying to get me and my money and direction and all that it's towards me. And it's the same for you. You've seen more commercials than anything else in your entire existence. It's crazy how many commercials are directed to you. Why? Because it's all about you. When you go to the store, when you go to the... They want to get you. It's consumer-based. And so what we've done is we've taken this and we've planted it in the church. I was listening to a speaker speak um, just a couple months ago. And he made some really good points. He said, you know what? If you want to grow a church, if you want to get a church just full to the brim, do these things. First of all, you really want to get good preaching. That's nothing bad with that. Maybe light and fun and just airy and just kind of, hey, this is great, fun stuff. Get that. Get really dynamic worship. Get an awesome kids program. Oh, and the last thing, get a building right next to the new Target that's opening up in town. Put it right there, you'll have an instant congregation of hundreds hundreds of people. That's how you do it if you build a consumer-based church. Because what are we doing? We're saying, come in, enjoy, relax. Enjoy the show. And that's what we've done to God. As if God is just something for us, another part of the week, to engage in, watch, and smile about, and leave. That's not Christianity. No, there's nothing wrong with good preaching. There's nothing wrong with dynamic worship. There's nothing wrong with good kids' programs. I think we have that stuff. I think it's great, but why do we do it? Is it so we can bring people in to just so, Oh, that was awesome, and I appreciated that, and I loved it, and I'll see you later next week, right? No, we do that because at the mission we want to connect with the community, which is a part of that, but we want you to grow in faith, which is so uncomfortable. And if we're honest with ourselves, being a disciple of Christ is not easy. Getting into community, getting into that, that, that those grow groups and the releasing of ourselves to others and sharing each other's burdens and serving Jesus where we meet the least, the last, and the lost, where they're at, where nobody cares. And nobody sees you do it, because if you're truly serving the least, the last, and the lost, it's not for you in the show, is it? See, that stuff's hard. But that's what Jesus here is relaying to. This is what he's saying. And, And I guess if we're honest with ourselves, we need to look at, who are we praying for? Is it for me? Or is it for Jesus? See, love came down to lead us out of the valley of me, myself, and I. Amen? I've had enough of that. I like it when it's about me, myself, and I. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really help me. He leads us to a kingdom that says the last will be first. Blessed are the meek and the poor and the hungry. And the least will be greatest. So I guess my question is simple. When you pray, is it all about your plans and what you want out of life? Or is it centered around Jesus? Is it centered around Jesus? Real small story in the Bible. I'm just remembering it now. I think it's a great little story. Honestly, it has to do with Mary and Martha. And Martha's running around and she's trying to serve Jesus and she's doing all this stuff. And that's what you do. Because that's what a good hostess does when guests come over in the Middle East at that time. And Mary's just sitting there like a slug. (laughs) Right at Jesus' feet, doing nothing. Seems lazy. Martha's mad. What What the heck? What the heck? She should be helping me. That's what's what's supposed to be good in in society today. You need to do this. You need to do that if you want to get... And, And Jesus says, leave her alone. She's doing what's best. Being at Christ's feet. So who are you praying for? Is it just to do the stuff? Or to be with Jesus? Who are you praying for? Second, who are you praying to? Again, this seems like a basic question. But Jesus puts prayer back into perspective when He says it has to be private. See, the Pharisees were all about pushing what they were praying for on you by, it's about me. See, they had Jesus right in front of them and they missed Him. They were praying to God all the time. Some of them were bruised and bleeding from it. Did they see God at all right in front of them, right under their noses? No. Because they weren't praying to God and this is the danger. we do this. See, we, the truth is we can have Jesus right in front of us and we can miss him, because we're con- so concerned about who we're praying to, and it's not God. Let, let, let me explain this a little bit. I remember when I was hurt I don't know if you've ever been there I was hurt intensely by people, some people in the church, and I remember I would sit there and I would pray, and I prayed so hard and I didn't even pray to God. I thought I was praying to God, but you know what I was praying to? the God of vengeance. The God of wrath. You see, I was concerned about vengeance coming on my enemies. Where Jesus says, love your enemies. I don't want to love my enemies. I wanted them to burn. (laughs) Let's be honest. If you can just get them in a car accident, I mean, they can walk away from it. I don't want them to die or anything. Just with a limp for the rest of their life, God. That would be good. Then they would remember never to hurt the Chris man. (laughs) Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Okay? <laughs> You've all done the same thing. I know it. I know it. I, it's who we are. We get to a point in our life where we go, if you could just do this, because I'm praying, and we, I pray to the God of vengeance. Maybe you pray to the God of comfort and pleasure. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Jesus never came to make us happy. Who are you praying to? He came to bless us, to walk in His will, to walk in His presence. The truth, the truth is we have a gracious God who came down and calls us to daily talk to Him and go forward with Him. So we need to know who we're praying to. Now, how are you praying? That's that third part. How are you praying? It cracks me up with Joni, Chachi and, uh, and, and the other guy. I can't remember his name for a second. But you know he's doing his miracle prayer, right? If he wants to have a miracle, he's got to do it just like this. I couldn't even mimic that. I don't know how he did It's obviously a joke, right? There's no way anybody could do that unless they're a contortionist. But Jesus says, hey, when you pray, don't babble on and on as other people's religions religious do, as if there's a formula, as if there's a how-to formula. I, I love the books on prayer. One of the best books on prayer is Philip Yancey's Prayer. I love it. It's so great. And he goes through it. And it's funny because the book's like that big. But the whole time he's going through it, he's saying over and over, there is no formula. They did it this way. Moses did it this way. David did it this way. Joshua did it this way. I mean, it's all different and that's okay with me <laughs> because it's not saying repeat after me and that's the danger right see if i just do it maybe i'm not getting it because i didn't do it right you, you get the danger have you ever been there i'm sick why because i didn't pray just right no come on but that's what we do i used to feel guilty about my prayer life because i read about james one of the apostles of jesus He had a name, a nickname, called Old Camel Knees. Now, that wasn't because his knees were just elephantitis on him or something. It's because he would kneel and pray so much that his knees became so calloused he had these massive knees. They didn't wear a lot of shorts in the Middle East, so he was safe, okay? But but he had these massive knees. And I used to think, if I had massive knees, then I would be really close to God. I mean, I know that's stupid, right? Don't judge me. But I used to think that's what I should be. As if there was something I could do to be closer to God. Honestly, God is as close as He's ever going to be. We just need to acknowledge Him. There's no how-tos. You see, we need to remember that, that James, the saints, they didn't pray to get. They prayed to be with Jesus. You see, if you take your how-to and you make it about getting, if you take prayer and it's how do I get this, you've missed it. We just need to be with Jesus. Like Mary, sitting at the feet. Maybe you are struggling with prayer because you're stuck in the how. Now is the time to hear Jesus and to realign to what He came down to lead us to. So now what? What now? Here's some simple, simple things that I think just help. Some little principles. They're not a, a how-to list. <laughs> That's not what we want to do. But there's a simple thing I think is good here. In prayer, we need to reject being influenced by ourself and by others. This is what Jesus lays out. He doesn't give us a, a how-to, but he says we need, to, we need to know who we're coming to here and how we're coming to it. So we need to reject our sinful self and others as being an influence in our life especially when we're talking to God. The truth is we're all influenced and affected by those around us and ourselves. We can always make it about them who are watching and me who's on the inside. Do you pray before you eat just because you always have? I was listening to a uh, pastor a couple of weeks ago, one I really respect. He's been to a lot of worship services. He has five services that he does at his church on a Sunday. That's a lot of times to sit down and listen to worship. If anybody has an excuse to check out, it's that guy. This is the fifth time today I've heard this song. I'm a little done. Check, please. Right? I mean, let's be honest. He said something that blew me away. He said, every time I listen to that worship... Oh, by the way, I don't always like it. That's what he said. Sometimes it's a song I really can't stand. (laughs) But I sit there and I say, God, what are you saying to me right now in this song that I've heard for the fifth time? I don't always like the tune. He's rejecting himself, you see? As he comes before the Lord, is it about me? Is it about you? No, it's about Jesus, right? Lord, what do you have for me? What do you want from me? Where am I now in you? What do you want to walk with me in? Rejecting myself. John said, I must decrease When Jesus came into his life and into his ministry, and he must increase, he said. Jesus taught us to pray, not my will be done, but his will be done. Maybe you need to spend some time in prayer today, saying, Lord, here's my finances. You see, my temptation is when I sit there with my finances, oh, what am I going to (laughs) do? I'm worried. I'm anxious. I'm fearful. And we're not rejecting ourselves. We're not increasing in Jesus. We're just focused on what is before us. And it's scaring us. Maybe it's in your health. You just can't seem to stop worrying over the instability of health in yourself or in your loved ones. Jesus wants you to reject the worry and let Jesus increase. Amen? Bottom line in prayer, we need to receive God. You see, if we reject ourselves and the influence of others, then we need to receive God. When you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. See, this is our Father, the one who created us, who knows us, and walks with you intimately knows you more than you know yourself. He knows more of you than you know of yourself. Can I just say that because honestly, there's good parts of you and there's bad parts of you. You'll probably never see some of my bad parts. I have a lot of bad stuff. I have a lot of bad stuff in my life because I know who I am on the inside. <laughs> you know, I I I have to live with my own thoughts and they're a little crazy. <laughs> they're just a little crazy sometimes. Sometimes I wake up after sleeping and I'm like, "What is going on in my head?" I'm a nut. I have a hard time respecting myself. How does Jesus come off that mountain and lead me and love me with everything, with an eternal love that I'll never understand? Because it's not about me. He loves me, and I don't get it. And He invites us, good and bad, to receive Him. It's not a show. He invites you into His courts, into His home, to sit on His lap says, let's talk. That's the God we serve. That's the one that came down to say, let's talk. You and me. But God, I'm... I know. I know. This is what I love about communion. This is a reminder, and we're going to take this in just a minute, but this is a reminder of the love that came down and was broken for us. In the book of Isaiah, it says, By His stripes we are healed. He was stricken and beaten in our place so that we might be free. He took our spot. This blows me away. And He took our spot when we were still at war with Him and had wrath towards Him and did not want Him and did not want to receive Him and He still took our spot and said, I will do it. I will be broken so that we can walk together. He shed His blood so that we could sit on the lap of the Father. This is the truth we need to remember. This is communion. The Savior that came down to meet us in our decrease so that He can be increased in the world around us. Because this is what our world needs to see, amen? I mean, let's be honest. That's why the mission is all about the least and the last and the lost. And, you know, we were at the Blessing Center yesterday and it was awesome. I loved it. I mean, we were there and and there's just a line out the door. But I'm thinking to myself as I go out there and and I'm just seeing hundreds of people that we're giving boxes of food to and just blessing and saying, God bless you and we love you. Do you need prayer? Do you need anything? And we're just going through this. I'm thinking, here's the line, but how many more could be there? Because maybe they don't need just a box of food. Maybe they need a box of Jesus to help them in their depression. To help them in their anxiety. To help them in their relationships. To help them in their finances. To help them in all those things that they are out of control. Because let's be honest, you can be as wealthy and as popular as anybody, but you are still struggling. And we still have burdens. And we need a box of Jesus to not just say, hey, take it and consume it, but be consumed by Jesus. Because that's the difference, amen? We don't want to give Jesus out to be an accoutrement to what you wear, a little attachment. We don't want to say, consume Jesus for a day, see you next week, take two in the morning and you'll be fine by the evening. No. We say, here's Jesus to consume you. Because it's about Him. And He has something for each and every one of us as we come to Him in prayer. This is communion. To say, my good, my bad... I bring it to Jesus to be consumed by the Spirit, the fire of God. All we've got to do is receive it. I want to leave you really quick the, as the worship team comes on up. There's a prayer that the Apostle Paul prays. And by the way, he was a terrorist. <laughs> he was a bad dude. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. And he hated everybody that wasn't like him. He went out of his way to kill him. Do whatever he could do to get rid of them. And God brought him to his knees because it wasn't about him. He prayed to himself. He prayed about himself. He prayed all these. He did all these how-tos. He did everything in between. He's just like me, a screw-up. And God met him. And God showed him the redemption of his body and his blood. And I love what happens in the book of Ephesians as Paul is just laying this out to anybody and everybody. He breaks down in the middle of this as he's writing this from prison. And he says this, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. You see that? Not because He has to. Because He loves Jesus. The Creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with the inner strength through the Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love which is eternal and unending and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high and how deep this love of Jesus is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from from God. Now, all glory to God who is able. To Him we pray. To Him we receive. Through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Lord, we thank You. You are so much greater than we are. You are so much more infinite than we can ever be. So Lord, we just come before you and we say, Lord, it's not about me. I've made it about me. I mean, shoot, when I sit there and I worry and I, and I make it about me and I forget that you came down to lead me, to hold me and lead me to my papa, my father, and there's no how to manual we can become we can come boldly before your throne as it says in the book of Hebrews and I thank you for that and Lord it all starts when we receive you your body broken for us your blood shed for us may we just take it now in remembrance what you've done But Lord, as we go out, I just want to emphasize, Lord, may it not be something we just take and go, thank God He has saved me. No, we would take this and say, now, as I show that I I love you, Lord, I, I care for you, I want to receive you. He says, there's two great commandments. You got the first one, loving me with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. But the second is equal to, and just as important, now go out and share this with others. Love on your enemies, love on the least, love on the last, and love on the lost. This is the kingdom that we're called to. So help us to be mindful of the world outside as you change our insides and direct us out. In Jesus' name, amen.